This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and irrelevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace with this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Neve. Welcome. How are you? Hello, Annie. What a pleasure to be here. Um, I was just noticing how bright and sunny and lovely it is there. And it's pitch black here because I'm in Spain and we're a totally different time zone. So yeah, thank you for having me today, tonight. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for coming. And thank you so much for, um, I, I assume it's got to be kind of late there for you now. So that's great. Yeah, it's my bedtime. I've, I've kept awake just for you. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I really appreciate it. So um, why don't you kind of take us back sort of to the beginning in terms of where it all started for you with alcohol? Well, it's nothing unusual. It's the same as so many other people's story. It's that whole rite of passage thing when you're young, isn't it? And you start experimenting with alcohol. So I suppose... 13, 14, you know, pretty young. Um, I'm Irish, so Irish culture, like many cultures, is fairly drenched in alcohol. And uh, I would have dabbled at that stage. Um, And it just progressed and got better and better. And I got more professional at it as the years went by. but it was nothing unusual. I wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. It wasn't that I was any different to any of my friends. Although I did think I was a lot better at drinking than many of my friends. And I think I might've looked a little bit older so I was able to procure it easier. I was quite often the one who was sent with our few pounds to go and uh, buy in the off license. Um, is that what you, do you call them an off license? Uh-huh liquor store liquor store yeah so I was 14 and I was going to the liquor store and uh so really nothing unusual you know parties and and parks and discos and loved it really um and the fact that I got you know sociously drunk on occasion that was just everybody did didn't they at least that's what I thought I assumed um and I think that idea that this is what everybody did and everybody does is something that carried right on through into my 40s until I quit and then I had this massive awakening when I realized not everybody's drunk all the time not everybody's falling around at the parties Neve. you know maybe it was just you for a majority of that um so how did it progress? I think just like, like anybody else, you know, life gets more difficult, more complicated. Um, pregnancies, babies, toddlers, all of that, um, which I think many of us will resonate with as being probably one of the most difficult jobs you can have and juggling that with your main job, you know, your normal job. Mm-hmm. And um, I was a typical, for a very long time, just a typical mom needs wine um you know I was that that was my slogan um 
And the sneaky drinking, which actually wasn't that sneaky really, um, it was barbecues on the weekends during the day and it was uh, ladies lunches. And I just made sure that I was present at a lot of these events. And again, something that I realized afterwards looking back was, it really wasn't the lunch itself or the barbecue itself or the gathering that I organized that interested me. It was, in all honesty, the opportunity to drink. That's what it was all about. And isn't that amazing? Because I thought it was all about getting together with friends, but honestly, it was about boozing. Um, so I'm not a, an unusual story. I'm not a, um, I'm a typical case study mid-40s person who kind of woke up. Um, and so I had become more lethargic, more lazy, less motivated as the years went by. And I'd been to the doctor several times because obviously there's something wrong with me, isn't there? It must be my thyroid because I can't lose weight or, you know, maybe I've got a touch of depression because this anxiety is so bad. And I was self-diagnosing Alzheimer's at one point. I had Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's because my memory was so bad. <laughs> so um, I literally was visiting the doctors and, and telling them about these disorders that I could possibly be suffering from, not realizing or not willing to even observe the fact that it could possibly be the amount of red wine I was necking. Um, and then I decided, because I simply couldn't shift the weight, just to do a 28-day challenge. Mm. That's all it was, to shift some weight. Um, and of course, that was that was a plan. I do 28 days, I lose a few kilos. It was January. So on the 1st of February, we all knew what was going to happen. I mean, obviously, I was going to crack open a bottle of wine, wasn't I, <laughs> to celebrate the weight I had lost. And I suppose then about two weeks, three weeks into this 28 day challenge, I thought, Neve, this is all wrong. You've, you've obviously got some type of unhealthy relationship with alcohol if all you're doing is looking forward to the 1st of February. And I decided very reluctant, reluctantly and with a, a sense of I, I will fail to aim for a 90 day uh, abstinence. Let's try not to drink for 90 days. There was no way Irish Neve, party Neve, wine slugging Neve was going to go 90 days without wine. It wasn't going to happen. And then, like I say, I'm case study. Around about the 60 day mark, I had this moment. I really did. And I thought, could this be a way of life? Is it possible that I could do this for a year? You know, I started asking myself these questions because it's at that time when you really start to appreciate all the glory that comes with not drinking. Um, keeping in mind that I was a highly functioning mom of three, working, successful, what I felt was achieving and overachieving in life. My blinkers had well and truly been removed when I quit firing wine in. And I realized that, no, this is what superhuman feels like. And this is what achieving feels like. This clarity, this um, lack of fuzz and haze, this um, 
deeper understanding of everything. Just conversation felt easier. Um, my relationship with my children, my, my patience, my tolerance, my ability to zip it for a minute instead of just jumping right in. And it was just really powerful stuff. And I thought, I think I might try this for a year. And that was three and a half years ago. And um, I'm, I'm, I'd like to say that I will never, ever go back. However, I'm extremely vigilant and very cautious. Um, and I know that I can never, ever say never. Therefore, I need to be careful. I can't ever let my guard down, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's just amazing. And so what sort of things have happened, like in terms of your social life and how you've kind of navigated things? Um, so I am a fanatic about walking, and this is something that has grown and uh, become a huge integral part of my life. And it, it did start before I quit alcohol, but the, the day that I quit al alcohol, I decided that I needed a distraction. I knew very early on that I was going to need a distraction. So I decided for my 28-day challenge to set myself a 28-day walking challenge hand in hand with this. So 28 days, that's 280 kilometers in a month, more or less, um, in the 28 days. And that's 10 kilometers a day. It's quite a lot. That's a couple of hours. Yeah. But that feels such an incredible amount of time because you know how much time we spend drinking or thinking about drinking. So, you know, there was plenty of time to declutter the house. There was plenty of time to do the homework with the kids, plenty of time to do all the things that I hadn't really done, the paperwork in the drawer that I had been ignoring. But I still had more time. It was like I won the time lottery. I just couldn't believe all this, these hours in the day. And therefore, the walking saved me and distracted me and kept me healthy and helped me lose the weight. And so when you say, um, what changed in your social life? Well, I wasn't going to bars anymore. <laughs> I was going out into nature. Um, and that's where I needed to be because clarity can be, or at least for me, extremely overwhelming. Um, the, the lack of haze and the amount of vocabulary that you're able to soak up, um, the nuances of people's behaviors, um, the emotions coming off your children are clearer. It's, it's all bigger and more emphasized when you're not drinking. So I just needed to get away from it all and be in nature and be in the quiet. And um, so that changed drastically. I needed to stay away from the bars and the pubs where I used to hang out with my friends and I would go out in nature. Um, and that's continued. And walking has become, um, yeah, my way of life. It's become my, my, my mission and my passion. And I am so incredibly passionate about it and how it saved me and how a connection with nature can be just so powerful. That, that's what I that's what I work at now I, I it, you know the clarity of of being booze free and not having alcohol in my life gave me a meaning and purpose I love that so much so and and what about in um you know specific relationships how has there any been ever been anybody who has kind of reacted badly sure I've lost friends and how did that um, go? it's funny because one of the people who was almost um, 
an inspiration for me to quit because of her problematic drinking. So she was a driving uh, force for me to never end up like that. And uh, she was one of the people who really couldn't handle it and used all those words, sanctimonious, self-righteous, judgmental, mm -hmm. all those words that I'm not, mm -hmm. because who in the hell am I to dare be any of those things? Because all I am is an ex-drinker, you know? Um, I'm not better or worse than anybody else. I've just been fortunate enough to be able to, to quit. But of course, somebody who's still in that situation and looks at somebody um, improving their life and changing their life and developing just doesn't know how to handle that. So that was a relationship that turned quite toxic. And I tried to sustain it. I tried to find ways around it. But the only way was to just not be in that place anymore. Um, other friendships suffered because they were my drinking friends. Um, and I found myself not being invited on the girly nights out as before. And that took time to adjust to. Yeah. It just takes time, doesn't it? Because you take it really personally. Um, but they're not rejecting me. They weren't rejecting me. They were just not accustomed to non-drinking me. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it's, a, it's a loss for them. It's, it's you know, you're, my friend's grieving the loss of this person and they don't know how to handle the new person. And it just took adjustment for me, from me and perseverance and awareness and understanding to realize it's not so much that they don't like me anymore. They just miss that old me. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And so those, those kind of friendships, they kind of stabilize and they find a new footing or they fizzle out. But what's amazing is that you make new friends on different grounds, real, yeah. deep and meaningful relationships that aren't full of drunken drivel, you know? <laughs> They're really great. Um, and you can form these friendships pretty quickly because you're really honest and uh, connected with yourself. I am. Yeah. being alcohol free so I've got some fantastic new relationships I was extremely fortunate that very shortly after I left alcohol behind my husband followed suit mm, that's great um because we were broken we were damaged uh, we did everything together including the partying and the drinking and I'm sure many people will resonate with the fact that that's not productive in a relationship. It certainly wasn't in ours. So all the good stuff that comes or what you think is good stuff and the fun stuff, there's a, an awful lot of behind the scenes grimness that also comes with drinking heavily, both two people in a relationship. So I was really lucky. We didn't talk about it. Um, it wasn't a conversation we had. I just noticed um, non-alcoholic beers appear in the fridge. And it took about six months for us to be able to communicate about it. And it takes time to rebuild that relationship. We're not a perfect marriage. I don't think, you know, there's not many of them about. But we would not still be married if either one of us was still drinking. I truly believe that. Wow. Because we were fractured, you know. We were toxic because we yeah. were intoxicated. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. 
So, um, so let me ask you this question. Uh, you know, if you were going to go back in time to the version of Neve that was feeling stuck and struggling and just tell her about what life is like now, what would you tell her? I think I'd just try to tell her to look at me. Look at me. Look how I live. Look at my light. Would you like a bit of this? Do you fancy a bit of this energy? Because it's not possible to explain in words, I don't think, to other people, this sensation, this freedom, and this um, gratitude and zest for life. So I would advise the old Neve to seek out people who are further along their journey and just keep an eye on them and maybe aspire to be like those people. Because how can I explain to that old Neve who's kind of fuzzy and meh and riddled with anxiety and tired from not drinking and knows better than everybody else? How can I explain anything to her? Right. You know? Um, this takes me to your book because very early on in the journey, your book was the first that I purchased. But I couldn't read it. I had become so out of the practice of reading and learning and educating myself, apart from snippets on Facebook and snippets on social media, that I couldn't handle a whole book. So I would dip in and out of it occasionally, you know? Um, and it's only, it was about two and a half years alcohol-free that I picked up my first book and read it from cover to cover. And that was This Naked Mind. Mm. So it was a great way to reinforce a lot of the learning that I'd done and picked up. But imagine that I was so rusty in educating myself and reading that I couldn't get through a book. And I wasn't a falling down drunk. I mean, the word alcoholic didn't make any sense to me and I, I don't use it. I would never use that to refer to myself. But I couldn't read a book. And now I can't read enough books. But the, the, the breaking of the seal was your book. So thank you very much for that. It was a, exactly what I needed to get me back into the swing of things. That's so great. I love that so much. Well, that's just amazing. I am so, I'm so appreciative of your time and, and sharing your story and staying up late for me. It's just awesome. I'm good. I've been buzzing all day because I've been looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, um, so and living you're, in you're, you're, you're the you're the guy the guiding light you remember I mentioned earlier about people and how I would speak to the old Neve it's just to seek out people like you and stay in touch with them follow them and it may not be that you quit booze today tomorrow next week or next month but if you stay connected to people like you and people like me who have done it the penny will drop I think you know, when you see yeah. enough of the good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's all about that. It's all about like seeing, instead of looking at what you're giving up, you know, really seeing what you could, what you could gain and what's possible, which is just absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. And do you find that there is um, any sort of difficulty in like living, like in your experience, the, I, I visited Madrid recently and actually it was not like, 
I mean, it was, it was quite boozy, but I didn't, yeah, it was, it was part of the culture, part of the lifestyle. And I'm just curious about living in Spain, if that's how, how you felt as well. And if that's been difficult or if it's been easy to navigate. Really difficult to navigate because I'm an Irish woman. So I'm culture really probably genetically inclined to drink and I'm living in wine country. Um, so yeah, it's everywhere. It's significantly ingrained in the society here. And so many of my friendships, my events, uh, my work, because I'm a singer, and so you've got performance involved. I'm working with other musicians here in Spain. Um, it's everywhere. And here, it's from morning till night because it's a coffee and a brandy in the morning. At around breakfast time, 10 o'clock, there's this thing called almuerzo, which is a big bocadillo, a big sandwich with a beer. There's lunch, which is traditionally served with wine, followed by a siesta to snooze off the wine. And then like everywhere else in all cultures, there's the after work drinking. And then there's the weekend binges. So it's even harder here to avoid it, uh, or it's even easier here to do it, you know. But you know what? I think it's everywhere. I don't think we can hide from it. So I can't really use my, my, my birth <laughs> as an Irish woman as an excuse, and I can't use the excuses of living in, in, in Spain because it's just everywhere. Where, where, where is there no booze? Few and far between. So if you want it, you can, you can sniff it out for sure. But navigating it, I think, is always going to be hard for anyone who's involved in it. It takes courage, and I think it just takes um, a real resilience to what other people might say, what other people might think. Um, other people's opinions may matter to you but at the end of the day you're number one your health is number one your existence and your opportunity at this one shot of life is really all that matters right mm, absolutely so if anybody else wants to snigger or sneer or have an opinion on the fact that you're not drinking that's really their problem and not yours and that's what I had to learn very quickly and mm. I was fortunate enough that I was able to explain that to myself this is their adjustment they're just trying to adjust to this new me because mm -hmm. if I had bowed to the pressure of other people I wouldn't have lasted 24 hours in fact I didn't last 24 hours because on day one of my challenge I drank on the 1st of January I went out for lunch and I drank a bottle of wine on the first day of my challenge and I have to tell you that was the best what they call a blip best blip ever Amazing, powerful, because it made me understand that if I can't get through one day, I've got an issue and I need to seriously talk to myself and focus on this 28 days. So I'm grateful to that failure on that day one because it gave me huge motivation to get through the 28 days. Yeah. And I think if anybody else is trying and anybody else fails, or let's not call it failure, if you blip or if you, you know, drink, you know, it's going to happen. There's no point beating ourselves up. We just got to appreciate how far we've got and that tomorrow's another day and we can pick up again, really, I suppose. I love that so much.
Yeah. So true. So true. And the more like there's, there really is no failure if you just don't, don't stop. Right. Don't stop trying. So it's really great. I wonder if what we say makes sense to people. I think so. I wonder, does it just all sound like words and gibberish if you're in the midst of trying to get out, you know? I don't think so. I think somebody like whenever we can see ourselves in someone else's story and just feel less alone, I think that's a huge shift. That's something really powerful and really important happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you're you're welcome, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. It's been a joy. I really appreciated it. Yes, and I hope some of what I said makes sense to some people. I'm sure. And keep up, keep up that amazing work inspiring stuff thank you so much okay bye thanks hey it's scott pinyard head coach here at this naked mind are you ready to make instant changes to your drinking the answer is not in restriction or deprivation and you don't need more self-control i am here to tell you that you can break your patterns and habits and finally feel liberated from alcohol you can return to a life where alcohol is small and irrelevant for you. It's a non-issue. Take it or leave it. Annie has three secrets to control your drinking, and she and I are going to teach them all in a special three-day free virtual event. Learn the three secrets to control your drinking and make changes instantly with us. Don't miss this amazing event. Learn more and save your spot today at controlalcohollive.com. We can't wait to see you there. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today. 